Hello, everybody, and thanks again for joining us on another edition of the Wealth Guardians radio show. Remember, we tell you what you need to hear, not necessarily what you'll want to hear. And JB again joins me today in studio. JB, how you doing today, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. You got any big plans for the weekend? Going to do a little bit of work. Uh, the honeydew list. Uh, it never shrinks, you know. It just keeps expanding. No, they, they really don't. I took a good whack at mine last weekend, so I think this weekend I'm going to just uh, clean up the yard and watch some football. Sounds good. All right. For those of you who don't know me, my name's Doug Ray. I am the host of this program, the Wealth Guardians Radio Show. I'm the president and founder of Ray Financial Group. And uh, Ray Financial is a professional independent firm working with pre-retirees and retirees in all areas of retirement estate planning, and that includes wealth management and wealth preservation, asset protection, tax reduction, and wealth transfer and distribution. We are fiduciaries with a fiduciary duty, and we have offices in Charlotte and in Clemens and can be reached here in the triad at 336-391-3409, or you can go to our website at www.thewealthguardians.com. And the objective of this show is to educate and to inform the listeners of up-to-date, relevant, important information in pre-retirement, retirement, and the estate planning arena. So again, we welcome you to today's show, and JB and I look forward to spending the next 30 minutes with you and giving you some solid financial information that hopefully will help make a big difference in your retirement and estate planning. And again, before we get started, let me always say a big thank you uh, to our uh, servicemen and women, and certainly to our first responders, especially uh, with the events that occurred this past week. Also, if you've got questions, we're going to answer them, and today is that day. This is the uh, first show of, uh, of the month, and we answer your emails here, so if you have emails for next month, Email me at Doug at TheWealthGuardians.com. All right, Doug. Well, you know, it's time for our regular question of the month show. And every month, as you as Doug explained, we devote our radio show topic to answering some very good and important questions from our listeners. Most of the time, these are questions that many people would like to know the answers to, and that is why we have received such positive feedback on these question and answer shows. So we're looking forward to getting into these today, and we have some very good questions to answer, and I feel it will help out a lot of people, so let's get started. Our first question, Doug, it comes from Joe in Burlington, and Joe writes in, My wife and I are ready to send our son to college. Unfortunately, we have not saved enough in our designated college 529 plan. So we need to come up with the money some other way. My question is, can we take out money from our retirement plan without penalty? And if so, should we do this? Thank you. Signed, Joe. Well, Joe, thanks for that question. And, uh, boy, I can remember uh, sending our boys off to college. And uh, I, I, I know what you're going through. Yeah, it's back to school time for all the parents and the grandparents across the country, and they're trying to figure out how to pay for these costs of college education. You know, the cost of education continues to just go up and up and up, and many parents don't have enough safe for that specific college fund and to be able to pay for all of it. So where is the best place to get the money to help supplement your college savings plan? In a lot of cases, the only other place people have money saved is their retirement accounts. So, as Joe asked, 
Can you use money for college? And if so, is it a smart move? Well, the answer to both of your questions is maybe. There's an exception to the 10% early distribution penalty for higher education expenses, but the exception to the penalty only applies to distributions from IRA accounts, SEP, and simple IRAs. The exception does not apply to a distribution from your employer plan. So you can do this without penalty only if you have the personal retirement accounts like an IRA. However, there are some things that you need to be aware of along with some strict rules and limitations to qualify for the penalty-free exception. First, the distribution from the IRA of pre-tax funds will, of course, be taxable to you in the tax year. So if you feel that you'll be lower, be in a lower tax bracket in, in retirement than taking money now, it's going to cost you money. Keep that in mind. The next factor, the distribution must be made in the year the expense is incurred. And that's important to know because in case of a loan or expenses put on a credit card, distributions made in latter years to pay off those bills will not qualify for that penalty exception. Next, there's no dollar limit for the exception, but it only applies to qualified higher education expenses, such as tuition, room and board, the required fees, books and supplies. And even computers and related technology also qualify, uh, even if they're not required by that specific school. And finally, the exception applies to the IRA owner, their spouse, and any child or grandchild of either the IRA owner or the spouse. So some of these retirement accounts, you can access the money without penalty if you follow the specific rules and meet guidelines. But as Joe asked in the second part of his question, even if you can do this, should you? Well, Again, the answer is maybe, and it depends on a lot of factors. Unfortunately, there's too many factors for us to be able to get into in today's show. So there is something you definitely want to discuss with your financial or retirement advisor. And remember, once funds are removed from a retirement plan, it is very difficult to make up those funds as contributions back into your plan. For example, an IRA only allows $5,500 contributions per year if you're Uh, under 50, and if you're over 50, it only allows $6,500. Plus, IRA contributions must stop once you reach 70 and a half, even though you still may be working. So now, in addition to the loss of the amount of withdrawal, you also lose the earnings on the amount each year and the earnings on the earnings. Well, that's a mouthful, isn't it? Anyway, by taking the money out for college education, you must likely be digging a hole that you may never climb out of. So the key question then becomes, will this hurt less than the cost of a loan? Well, it may or it may not. You know, today interest rates are so low, uh, the cost of a loan may be a heck of a lot cheaper in the long run than paying the tax on, on an IRA distribution. So you can borrow to finance college. You cannot borrow to finance your retirement. That statement is very true. So if you're going to use your retirement funds to finance an education, you have to make sure you do it right. And in a lot of cases, as a last resort, when all other sources of funding have been exhausted. It just so happens we've added another service to the Ray Financial Group and the Wealth Guardians, and we're going to start college funding workshops this month. And there's many ways besides loans, scholarships, and cash flow to pay for your child's education. 
If you have a child or a grandchild that's in the ninth grade to high school senior and you're concerned about paying for their education, you might want to attend our event. The first two workshops are coming soon, October the 19th and the 24th at 6.30 p.m. at the Broyhill Office and Convention Center in Clemens, and you absolutely must call our office to register, 336-391-3409, 336-391-3409. And that's some great information, Doug. You know, I'm sure a lot of parents and grandparents who are planning to help with college education for their kids and grandkids appreciate all that detailed information. Well, let's move on to the next question, Doug. It comes from Jenny up in Danville, Virginia. And Jenny writes in, she goes, hello, Doug. I am 72 years of age and I'm still working. I have a 401k plan at work and a personal IRA. My 401k plan at work has a still working exception so that I do not have to take required minimum distributions or RMDs from my plan on that source. However, I do have a RMD to meet this year from my personal IRA and I want to do a do an in-service rollover of $50,000 this year from my 401k plan to an IRA for tax planning purposes. If I do this, how will that affect my RMD and I ha- that I have to take? And Jenny, thanks us very much for answering her question. Hey, Jenny, uh, thank you for that question. You know, there's a lot of folks now that are working well into their 70s uh, these days. And uh, fortunately, the answer to your question is pretty easy. You have to look at the rules for calculating IRA RMDs, and the rules state that you use the prior year end account balance in the IRA for this year's RMD collection or calculation. So if you do an in-service rollover now sometime in 2017, it's not going to affect your RMD due for your IRA this year. However, it will affect it for next year's calculation. This will be a factor next year unless, of course, you do a Roth conversion of that money, which may be what you're thinking since you said in your question this was being done for tax planning purposes. Bottom line, if you do move that 50000 from your 401k to your IRA, it's not going to affect your 2016 RMD. All right. Well, speaking of Roth IRAs, we have another few questions on those. The first one comes in from Sally in Winston. Sally writes in, Doug, I have heard you speak about Roth conversions. Can you tell me again what the benefit of a Roth IRA conversion is? Thank you very much. Well, thank you, Sally, for that question. And it's kind of lengthy, uh, the answer is going to be. So we're going to be up against a break here in a minute. So I'm probably going to start this answer and then finish it when we come back. Okay. The main benefit of a Roth conversion is the ability to get money moved from your taxable account to a tax-free account. I like to call it that's going from being forever taxed to never taxed. And to do this, you've got to pay the tax on whatever portion of the money that you want to convert. Many people are doing this now as they feel tax rates are on sale, meaning they think taxes are going to be higher in the future. I know we're going through a big uh, political thing about tax reform right now, But I tell everybody that, let's be honest, maybe we do get tax cuts this year, but with $20 trillion in debt and climbing, and also the fact we've got unfunded liabilities on Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid in the hundreds of trillions of dollars, i got to think taxes will be higher in the future. So, you know, some people should do this, some people should not do this. And as I said, this is a complicated uh, answer to what can be a, a very good question, is a good question, and I want to finish it up when we come back from the next segment. 
All right, Doug. Well, you are listening to the Wealth Guardians Radio Show, heard right here on 94.5 WPTI. We certainly appreciate you being with us. We can be reached at 336-391-3409 or at our website at thewealthguardians.com. As Doug said, we're up against a break, but stay with us. When we come back, we've got more great questions to get to. Stick around. We'll be right back. Welcome back into the Wealth Guardians Radio Show. Remember, we tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. And we're right smack in the middle of our Q&A show, and we have a lot more questions to go. But we were right in the middle of one um, that Sally had asked about Roth conversions. Basically, she wanted to know, um, I speak about them quite a bit, she wanted to know, does it, does it make sense? You know, And I do talk about Roth conversions a lot because I believe in creating tax-free income. Uh, my my little coin phrase is I, I I want to go from being forever taxed to never taxed, and Ed Slot taught me that little phrase uh, several years ago. But yes, um, it makes a lot of sense for a lot of people to start doing Roth conversions. Now you know uh, that when you do a conversion, that you're going to create a taxable event. So the obvious thing is that you probably do not want to convert all of your account in one year that would probably push you into a much larger tax bracket than you're willing to chew on. So, in my taxes and retirement workshop and my Social Security workshop that we do throughout the year, I talk to folks about a strategy we use called bracket bump. And bracket bump is a simple approach to looking at where your current uh, tax bracket is and finding where your next tax bracket is and determining how much income it takes to get you to but not into the next bracket. That tells us how much Roth we can convert that year without going into a higher tax bracket. Doing this year after year after year is going to be able to get most of your IRA taxable dollars to Roth never tax dollars in the future. And you're doing it at the most tax efficient rate possible. So Sally, I, I hope that uh, that answers your question. And uh, JB, I think we got a few more, don't we? We do. Roth conversions, a very popular topic. We've got another Roth conversion question in here, Doug. It's from Hal, and Hal's from Lexington. And Hal wants to know if he can convert just part of an IRA over to a Roth in any given year. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's kind of what we were just talking about. Right. You know, the key benefit of the Roth conversion is the ability to customize them to meet your specific opportunities. You can ch- choose to convert as much or as little as you want of all of your eligible IRA balances or any of your workplace savings plans from your employers like your 401Ks and 403Bs. You know, the flexibility here allows you to manage the tax cost of your conversion. For instance, because what you convert is generally considered taxable income, you may want to consider converting no more than what you think will bring you to the top of your current federal income bracket. That's what I spoke of a moment ago in Sally's question. I like to call that bracket bump. And you may also want to consider basing your conversion amount on the tax liability you may incur so you can pay it without using money from your conversion. It's best to use dollars in other accounts like checking savings account to pay the tax. Hope that makes some sense. And more great information there, Doug. 
Well, let's move on to our next question. Our next question comes in from Charlie, and he writes us from Winston-Salem. And Charlie writes us, he says, hey, Doug, I'm self-employed. I'm a business owner, and my accountant says I can save some taxes by funding a SEP IRA with $25,000. Now, my question is, can I still do this for the 2016 tax year? Please let me know. Thank you. Signed, Charlie. Hey, Charlie. Hey, good news for you. Yeah, you can because SEPs can be established in 2017 for the 2016 tax year. Specifically, a simplified employee pension can be established as late as your business tax filing deadline, including extensions. So, if your business files for an extension to file its taxes and you have until October 15th to set up and fund that SEP for 2016. So, you got some time, Charlie, but you ain't got much. <laughs> the SEP IRA is one of the very few retirement savings plans that allows contributions this late in the year for a previous tax year. As most types of retirement plan contributions have deadlines at the end of the tax year or earlier in the next tax year. For example, a workplace retirement plan have contribution deadlines of December the 31st of that year. IRAs and Roth IRAs have contribution deadlines of April 15th of the next tax year. So again, one of the big advantages of an SEP IRA is the ability to contribute much later in the year for the previous tax year. Great question. Yeah, we got a lot of great questions this morning. Speaking of the next question, let's move on. And Doug, our next question comes in from Al, and he writes us from Eden. And he writes in, he goes, hello, Doug, I need some help from you. My mother, who is 66 years old, just found out that her late husband, who passed away almost 20 years ago, had an IRA that named her, myself, and my sister as beneficiaries. Now, given the fact that it's been so long, what do we need to do to get this money into her name? My sister and I would like to disclaim our portion and have it go directly to mom. Thank you. Yeah, that's a good question, and, and thanks for sending that in. This is a case that just doesn't happen very often, but you know it does have some issues about how many people, some people need to be aware of. Obviously, there's nothing been done with this account for 20 years, and money was left to all three of you equally. Although I like your idea about disclaiming money and giving it to your mom, unfortunately, it's not possible to do a disclaimer now. A disclaimer must be done within nine months of the date of death. Now, as children, you can stretch the distributions to an inherited IRA, but only if the IRA agreement allowed for a stretch at the time of the account owner's death. So that could be an issue you're, you're going to need to check into. But if not, you and your sister can share uh, will be the taxable all at one time if you can't do the stretch. Also, I assume RMDs need to be taken based on the fact that you gave me in your question, when calculating the RMDs, keep in mind that the distribution rules changed in 2002 and life expectancy tables changed in 2003. RMD calculations prior to those years will need to be used the old rules and all IRA distributions are taxable in the year of distribution. Now, let's suppose your mother in this case can move her share of the inherited IRA to an IRA of her own name. There's no deadline for doing this, so that's, a, that's good news for you. Now, even though you can't disclaim the portion that goes to you, what you can do is take a withdrawal and then gift the money back to your mom. 
Each person can give money up to a certain amount each year, so this may be a way to give the money to your mom if you choose. Again, distributions are going to be taxable to you. Hope this helps. It's a complicated case. It sure sounds like it. Well, we've got some more questions coming in, Doug. This one comes in from Greg, and he is writing us from uh, here in Greensboro. He writes, My wife and I are thinking about retiring in about 10 or 15 years, but we would like to know what is the prime time or age for people to think about start planning for retirement? Greg, thanks for that question. That's a good one. Uh, With everything going on in the financial world these days, tax laws, changes, rule planning changes, Social Security, Medicare, health care, you name it, on and on and on. You know, a lot of times we talk about five years before and five years after very critical periods of time in retirement planning, but really there's no rule of thumb. I mean, it doesn't hurt somebody to start thinking about some things to do in retirement as far as 20 years away. In fact, there are some things that if put in place when you're in your 40s can really be super beneficial to you by the time you hit your 60s and you're thinking about uh about retiring. So, you know, again, there's no uh, set answer here, but certainly, certainly by the time you hit your uh, five year prior to uh, uh, your retirement goal, you want to really be digging in, concentrating and, and, and meeting with retirement planning specialists. So good question. All right. Well, we've got some more questions coming in here, Doug. It says, uh, here's one from Henry in Greensboro. And Henry writes in, he goes, Doug, I met with an advisor last week, and he was talking to me about putting some of my IRA money into an annuity that had this option that would create an income for me that I cannot outlive. Well, at first it sounded good, almost too good, but by the end of the meeting I was completely confused. Can you shed some light on this in layman's terms? And he says, thanks, Henry. Well, Henry, yeah, that's a good question, too. And, uh, you know, I encounter this one almost on a daily basis. It it, it is confusing. First, understand all annuities have the ability to be turned into a lifetime income, thus the name annuity. Mm -hmm. What you're probably being advised on is some sort of a guaranteed income withdrawal benefit rider. Again, that's a big mouthful of terms. Typically, you're going to find these riders on variable annuities and indexed annuities. And these riders have various names. I've also seen them on some fixed annuities. These riders give your money the ability to grow at 5 maybe 6% a year. When they first came out several years ago, there was even 8% out there. But here's what's important to know about these riders. This calculation, this rate of return they're guaranteeing you, is for the ability to turn your account into a something like a pension. It's guaranteed income, okay? You can't use that money for, uh, say, a lump sum withdrawal to go buy a car. You know, you have in, in these accounts two account values. You have your actual equity, which is your cash value, which you can take lump sum distributions from to go buy a car, And then you have this income account calculation, which you cannot take a lump sum. It has to be turned into a lifetime income that either you or both you and your spouse can create for yourself. Now, there is a fee associated with these, and these fees typically run from 1% to 1.5% per year. Now, honestly, when they first came out, I thought they were genius. 
But I've done thousands of retirement plans since then, and quite honestly, I'm not sure that they're ever going to be utilized the way people think they're going to be utilized. What I have found in my planning is most people are going to do just fine if they take 4 and 5% per year withdrawals from their account the old-fashioned way. So in my opinion, why add an extra fee to something that you probably won't use in the future? I like to 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 end this comment here by saying that uh you know these accounts I like to use the term it's funny money not phony mon- money phony money is is, is it doesn't exist it's not real funny money is there but it's only going to be accessed when you turn your account into a pension or an income you cannot outlive it's not necessarily wrong but it's not necessarily right. It has to be used in a very well-designed retirement plan for it to fit most people's needs and purposes and goals. So that is the essence of an income account. Well, here we are, JB, at the end of another radio show, and I want to thank everybody for tuning in today uh, on the Wealth Guardian Show. And uh, bring those questions to us at Doug at TheWealthGuardians.com, and maybe we'll read yours in November. All right, folks, we'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning in.